Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Happy Monday. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Big show on tap. We're going to re- uh, review the NFL draft. It's we such have, a Monday right now. It is. It's a Monday, but we're good. We're good. It's uh, we got the NBA. The playoffs are in full force. We're gonna do a little what we learned. Um, we're gonna do the whole weekend. We got a lot to get to, but keep those five star reviews coming. Yeah, they've been good. We had really good questions on Friday. If you don't know what to do, go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and when you leave us that five star review, ask us a question. Ask us anything. There were some good questions on Friday. We were sober when we answered them. There was some question whether Hannah was or not. Oh, interesting. We promised she was Very sober. Guys, that was so embarrassing. Yes. So, so always. Yeah, so we're good to go. But we like the questions. They're a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to Steve Nash who joined us Friday. If you didn't check it out, go back and download it because he was awesome. That's Rajah's boy. I, you got to go up there to the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, you have to go now. He came on our pod. Now you have to go up to, to support Are you your boy. soliciting an invite for me on the air? <laughs> oh, it hasn't Is been that what you're yet? doing? Oh, uh, no, no but listen, my brother-in-law lives in um, Longmeadow, Mass, yeah, so which is close. like right next door. So I might just conveniently happen to be visiting Longmeadow. Nice. Um, yeah, no, that's going to be pretty cool, though. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Steve Nash for joining us, too. All right, let's get to the NBA. The yeah. biggest story has been through the first round was LeBron. Sure. Would the Cavs make it out versus the Pacers, which put up a really good fight? I think a lot tougher than most people thought. I was wrong. I thought Indiana, after they, they had split the first two, I was like, uh-oh, they're going to go ahead and bounce the, the Cavs in, uh, in this first series. You were right. You said LeBron's going to carry him, and that's exactly what he did. They win 105-101 after the game. LeBron was talking about his performance. Nah, it felt like a game seven. It was like, you know, your mind is thinking like, okay, you know, besides the, the, the two I've played in the finals, but you start thinking like, is this it? Could this be it? You know, that's just human nature. And then the other side of, of my brain was like, let's go make something happen. You know, let's go. This is you. This is what you're here for. You know, you're here to make plays. You know, you're the leader. Um, it, look, I've been wrong on other series, but I kind of figured, you know, Indiana's a relatively young team. You know, none of those guys have really been in that situation before, don't really know how to close. And I, I kind of spoke to it a couple episodes ago. When you get LeBron and his teams in situations where you could take advantage and steal one from them, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. You can't keep letting a guy as good as LeBron off the hook and expect to win the series. Um, look, LeBron was fantastic, and – the best thing that happened to LeBron and the Cavs, in my opinion, was in game six in Indiana, it got out of hand in the third quarter early. So it allowed them to sit him down. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's basically what he did. He took the night he off. He had to take the night off because on that one day rest, and so for instance, he'll fly today to Toronto to have to play tomorrow. He's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Like at that age, your ability to recover, um, isn't the same. You, you just can't bounce back from those type of minutes. And, and so, the ability to sit through the third and fourth quarter in game six allowed him to come out and be vintage LeBron in game seven. It's always easier at home, too, because you get that adrenaline and that emotional lift from your fan base. Um, he didn't have a teammate score 20 points a game. I mean, 20 points in a game. That's really bad. Yeah. Like Kevin Love, you're bad. 
And no, you, you are right now and you're a really good player. So we got to figure out, I mean, there's one day, so that's not enough time to do it, but we have to figure that out. Um, I love the fact that they reinserted Tristan. I don't know what's going on there. You got over the curse. Yeah. Like, but I, I here, love how you looked at me when you said that. I did because I knew this was, <laughs> was going to elicit some kind of response, but what happened to Tristan? Is it because of this whole Kardashian thing or is it because Tristan hasn't played well? But he was the energy guy there. You know, he was the guy that would come in and do what he did in the first quarter with six rebounds, three of them offensive and eight points, and you can't account for him because they're not running any plays for him. And it makes LeBron that much more dangerous. They're getting extra possessions, kick out threes, and all that goes away when he's not on the court. So for them to have any chance, Kevin Love's got to play better. Tristan's got to play a role. But in terms of that Indiana series, um, LeBron single-handedly with a couple timely threes from some other people beat the Pacers. And that's... Yeah. I mean, if you're LeBron, like another notch in your legacy. But if if, if you're the Cavs, you got to be scared right now. Absolutely. I think they should be uh, really nervous. He had 41 minutes per game he averaged in this series. He averaged 34 points. He was incredible. I mean, he did it when he was, except for game six, which he basically, and I knew what was going on. I was yeah. like, all right, he's just saving himself. For he was. Seven. He was casting up threes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tristan got the start. He got uh, dropped 15 and had 10 rebounds. I so where do you stand now versus them versus Toronto? I actually see the weird thing is they played really well against Toronto this year. Right. The times where they had to buckle down. But here's what I think that the the factor, and I'll make it quick, is he has expended so much energy in game seven that he's going to be flat in game one in Toronto. But they're supposed to lose game one, aren't they? I mean, uh, isn't it kind of like one of those ones where hey, they're on the road, it's, it's Toronto. Yeah, it was kinda court. like it was kinda like Utah last night. Like I mean, Utah's undermanned now with the injuries, but when you play an emotional game seven, you got to turn around on one day's rest and play game one. Chances are good you're going to get smoked. Mm -hmm. But I don't think his team is good enough to really overcome. If they go down 0-2 in Toronto, there's they're out. So do you, if you're Ty Lue and you notice the game, if they're down 20 at the half. Early just, sit. Right. Just Early get him sit. out and save him for game two. And yeah. they say, all right, we're going all in on game two. Right. Which is, I mean, look, when you're playing that game in the NBA playoffs, you've got a problem. Like when you can't rely on Kevin Love or Rodney Hood or anybody else, anybody else and you've got to be watching the game to determine whether or not. Because look, let's be real, sports are sports. Right. It's a game of runs. You might go down fifteen, um, and if you have the luxury of keep of, of continuing to play LeBron, you can mess around and win that game. But when you have to like figure out early in the third whether it's worth it to rest him or not, like that's a big problem for a franchise. All right, let's get to what we learned. What we learned. <laughs> uh, we learned that the Rockets. <laughs> Are indeed in rhythm. As you talked about it, the Jazz, uh, the Utah, the Jazz, they absolutely smoked them. 110-96. Harden had 41-8-7. and I know there was some concern about the rest at the, at the end of the season. Mike D'Antoni was like, all right, you know, hey, we were a little rusty. It looks like they've kicked off any rust. I, when we do what we learned, I don't think I've learned anything new about the West because I still think it's going to be the Warriors versus Rockets. I still think it matters if Steph Curry is back or not. So I'm still kind of watching and Nothing. I don't know if it, I don't know what would change my mind about that. Yeah, um, I didn't learn anything new about the Rockets. Um, I, I was interested to see Luke Mbamute play. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to pay dividends. I think that'll be a big thing in the next series. And they play Golden State. I think you know his absence was going to be felt more there. But look, they're the type of offense and haven't played in it. The more you play, the more frequently you play, the better you feel. Like once you hit your rhythm. Um, with that kind of offense, it's easier to stay in rhythm. So, look, the Jazz are a great story. They're well-coached. They've got some really, really good players, um, tough. But I think Ricky Rubio, did they say he's out for the season? Like, he'll be battling that. Ten days. Yeah. that's So probably three wrap. games. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's an yeah. absolute wrap. And even with him, it was a wrap. Uh, they would have put up a game fight 
but you're just gonna. There's too many points being scored by that team to uh, to for them to really have a chance. All right, next up, what we learned. We learned that Russell Westbrook has a problem getting out of the first round, and he's got a problem with Utah fans. Here in Utah, man, a lot of uh, disrespectful, uh, vulgar things are said to the players here with these fans, man. It's truly disrespectful. Um, talk about your families, uh, your kids. Um, and it's just a disrespect to the game, man. I think it's something that needs to be brought up. Um, and I'm tired of just going out and playing and, and letting fans say what the hell they want to say. I'm not with that. Cause if they, if I was on the street, they wouldn't just come up to me and say anything crazy. Cause I, I, I don't, I don't play that. Sh- so I just think it's disrespectful when they get the chance to do whatever they want to do it needs to be uh, put to a stop, especially here in Utah. Now to me, I now, I'm going to say something. You played there. Yes. Utah's seems to me, and I've heard some stuff about it, that's sort of a low key racist state. Um, I don't, I, I, I cannot speak from experience. I did not experience that in Utah myself. So I don't, I don't know that to be a fact. That's good. All right. So let's try that out. Um, And you played there. So you would, you would know. I did. But but this is what I will say about Utah. Like the Jazz is their only professional team. Uh, well, no, they got Real Salt Lake now, right? Mm-hmm. But they no. But I mean, like they live or die by the Jazz. So if they were to be inclined to be like that, it probably wouldn't rear its 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 ugly head towards a Jazz man at the time because that you're their babies when you're there. Like mm-hmm. every it, it, look when I ran a foul of the Jazz and it wasn't. Like, it was, like, one person at the Jazz. It was Tyrone Corbin. Like, I had built up a lot of goodwill in that state. Like, I had done a lot of good things for the community, my wife and I. As soon as I, like, Ty and I got on the wrong, like, people disowned me. Like, I was public enemy number one. So that they, they are Jazz 100%, which I respect. Um, so, again, I would not know if they were inclined to be like that because I was a member of the Jazz. You know what I mean? My initial reaction when I heard Russell Westbrook with this reaction was yeah. it had to be something racist. Because if he's just talking about fans getting in his head saying, you suck, like yeah. you're no good, That's then the then they're getting in his head and he's in the wrong. But if he, if, it's, yeah. if, they're, if they're crossing the line, uh, then I totally am on board with Russell Westbrook. It's one of those things where I kind of need to know what was said. Yeah, sure. is it okay to, for fans to – like for him to complain about this? Like are fans really getting in his head or is this just Here's, him? tuning into the wrong thing here's the deal russell westbrook has been as good as russell westbrook is for i don't know what half a decade now you have to imagine that he's heard and seen a lot from opposing fans like people are usually trying to get under his skin it's hard for me to believe that all of a sudden out of the blue in utah russ has developed thin skin and can't take it anymore that doesn't sound right so if i'm reading the tea leaves a little bit something out of pocket and off color was probably said to russ i don't i don't know what it was because he hears this every night. Right. Like people are in his stuff every night. Someone had to say something like that. I don't know it for a fact, but I'm just I'm guessing there. That and, was my initial reaction. Yeah, but here's the deal. Like they pay their money, they come to the games. You 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 have you take it with a grain of salt. Like yeah, I mean now if you are if you are being called um ethnic slurs and people are, you know, like to his point like saying stuff, people were saying stuff about Cindy that were that was crazy or my boys. Like that is crossing the line. Right. I don't know what you can do about it as a player. Like what do you what are you gonna do? There's a no win if you go up there and you knock the dude right. out. Like the, that's not. Right. I mean, what you have to do is sort of have those blinders on and try, and try to block everything out. Right. And obviously, something was said that caught his ear that that bothered him as bad as it did, which to me says it was something that crossed the line because they're so used to that. Now, I don't know. Some players might be super sensitive, but Russ doesn't seem like that would be it. I would imagine he gets that every night. See, here's yeah. the the thing with Utah fans and what I found interesting, like when I went back as an opponent is, you know, it's this, you know, it's a lot of like Mormon, like uh, LDS and, mm-hmm. and, you know, 
there's a there's a lot of uh you know particular like that you know the, the drinking and there were a lot of but as, as it pertained to their mouths at games like some really really crazy stuff comes flying like you i remember <laughs> going there as an opponent and looking over at somebody yelling at me and being like are you like you're mormon bro like what is that what just what are you yelling at me that is not no they weren't it wasn't racial Right. Or anything like that, but I mean the expletives, the the type of stuff that could get yelled at you. It's a tough building to play in. Right, and they're really proud fans. Um, yeah, but it's unfortunate, man. Like fan, fans go over the top. Yeah, you know, and then people see a player and want to smack a cell phone, and obviously it's going to be their players, you know, whatever. But fans, there, look, there's a level of respect to this stuff. Right, right, have some. Yeah, absolutely. I covered BYU uh, a bunch of times, and every time I played, there have been incidents. I covered the Mi- the Miami Beach Bowl, yeah. and they had a huge brawl with Memphis, and it was BYU's fault. Like yeah. They were taking late hits, and there was a really egregious late hit, and it was an all-out brawl. And I'm thinking exactly like you were. Aren't this isn't this supposed to be like yeah. you know, quote you know You're right you know clean university nah, whatever? It's a little side <laughs> note. All right, next up, let's keep it rolling. What we learned. Uh, we learned that the Sixers Celtics rivalry will be renewed to some extent yeah, and might be a preview of the future. Who do you think wrote up this tease? Our yeah. boy Devo, the you Sixers think? fan. <laughs> um, I love it, though. Yeah. I, I, it could be good. I'm going to give the Celtics, my man Matty Hundo, a whole lot of credit because I did not see them being able to overcome Gordon Hayward and damn Kyrie Irving. And I'm on record with Brad Stevens. I think he's fantastic. But that wasn't Brad Stevens doing that against Milwaukee. That was Terry Rozier. It was uh, Marcus Smart when he came back. It was the the Morris. It was Al Horford. My bad, Al. I did not. My bad. Um, <laughs> what's the young kid? What's the Ojale? Ojale. I mean, Onyana. they were balling, and you know, much respect to all of those dudes. When you get your when you get your time to show and prove, stepping up to the plate and handling your business is something that not everybody can do, especially when you're young like that. You're not ready for the stage. But those dudes were dope. Uh, I give them a chance against Sixers. Yeah. I think the Sixers will beat them, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's going to be a cakewalk for the Sixers. Now, in years to come, I think you're looking at the future, obviously, of the Eastern Conference. Like, the power is back in, in Sixers, Celtics. It's going to be fantastic. A lot of this is credit to Brad Stevens, one of the best coaches in the NBA. Everybody already kind of knew that, but I'm with you. I did not give him any chance in that first uh, series. Yeah. I had a guy actually DM me and was like, you're not giving them any chance. He was a big Celtics fan. I'm like, whatever. I kind of was like, he yeah. was right. He was yeah, right, right, too. I'll be interested Beat to see it. how the Sixers – Start handling the perception that now they're supposed to win. They're the hunted. That's now? always interesting. You know, like that's yeah. a different. That's a different spot to be in. Uh, to be in. Jalen Brown's doubtful to play in game one tonight. I think that could impact you know a team that's already been. Decimated. What's he got the hamstring? Yeah. yeah. So he's got the hamstring. So, but he'll be back. That will hurt. Yeah. Exactly. So the Sixers are now they're the favorite to win the series. The Celtics are the long shot. Uh, they met four times in the '80s Conference Finals. Yeah, that, that was great in the heyday. Basketball. That was awesome. Doctor J versus Larry Bird. Bird. Oh, that was, that was awesome. insane. So I, I actually hope it is renewed. These two cities, Boston and Philly, so dope. Like they're going to be salty. They're going to be going out. Are you going up I, for any games, Debo? Maybe. Yeah. I played in an O2 series. It was the year after we went to the finals, and we underachieved the next year. Yeah. My fault, but um, <laughs> I didn't have much. To Antoine just jacking up threes. Yeah, but so we played in that series. I think that the format had changed, so it was like a, a five game series. Like, um, but pl- going to like the, gar- it wasn't the garden at that point. It was whatever they were calling it. Uh, the fleet, maybe fantastic atmosphere, like even over the top from what bo- sub Celtic stuff is usually like when the Sixers came to town. Cause we were coming off of the finals. Yeah. Oh, it was just fantastic. It was so, electric. So JJ Reddick said, that's as good of a playoff atmosphere as you're going to get. Ursan Ilyasova said, Miami games were half full 
it was a weak atmosphere, <laughs> so they're going to have to get used to playing in a real atmosphere on the road yeah, now. Yeah. It is true. I mean, I'm a, I'm a South Florida guy. I grew up in It comments? is a bad sports market. I'm, I've said that about it. the Dolphins my entire life. I don't think I can admit it for the other. Because you're a Bills fan. <laughs> I've always was like, Miami fans are crap, but not for the Heat, I think. No, really? they're brutal. They're, they're awful for the Heat. That's it's t- it's tough. I think they're fine. Nobody draws in South Florida. I mean, colleges don't draw. Like it's it's There's tough. There's like too many things to it's do. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's like too nice outside. Is the same thing with LA? Yeah, but there's stuff to do in Manhattan. I hate that narrative. I hate that because like no, no, I agree. I, I agree. I don't like, like there's that. always get, other options. Correct. To get do your something. ass to the game. If you're yeah. a fan, get your ass to the game. Yes. I agree. All right, let's keep it rolling. What we learned. We learned that John Wall blames the front office. Here he was Uh-oh. after getting bounced in the first round. I think um, we have our opportunity this summer to try to make our team better. I mean, we've been in a situation before where we fall short um, for certain situations. So I think most importantly, just starting for me and Brad, we both can keep getting better and improving our game, um, improving our condition, all those type of things that we can prepare ourselves for for a long season. And then in the days up to our front offices to add the pieces they think we need to make our team better and more complete. I think that's fair. That's a fair criticism. Very fair. I don't think he's calling him out. I think he's just saying, hey, we got some work to do. We need to add some pieces to this puzzle before we can really start competing for the Eastern Conference Championship. You know what? And you know what I loved? The first thing he said was, me and Brad got to get better. Right. I, once you do that, yep. there's a lot of stuff you can say next. If you lump yourself in the I, we've got to get better conversation, it's not just they got to get better. But yeah, he's right. Um, and, and like some of his, you know, deeper dive into those quotes is he talked about the type of bigs they have. Um, what do you say? It's pretty obvious. Um, I think the league is going, you need athletic bigs, you need scoring off the bench, you need all those type of things, right? And like Marcin Gortat, Yamahimi, um, Jason Smith, not the most athletic bigs, like no pick and pop real. Well, Jason Smith is pick and pop, but, but not rim run pick and pop. And so he's got a point. The way the NBA is trending, they probably do need to tinker with some of that a little bit to figure it out because those two were fantastic. Um, the question, I mean, I, and I was posed the question a couple of times this weekend is do they have to break that up? Mm-hmm. Like Beal and Wall. I asked the same thing last week with Portland, just that yeah. backcourt. Can they right. coexist together? I would give them another year as well. Like I'd like to see if you rounded out the roster and tried to because look, man, when you've got two good pieces that are that good and it's not, it's not a bad mix, right? It, it doesn't look like Russell Westbrook and whoever you put with him at this point where right. it's just, it just doesn't look like it's comfortable and it fits. Right. If it looks like it's working, both of them are too talented to quit on, I think, but he's right. They need other pieces. Yeah. It's not them. They're not the issue. All right. Let's get to the NFL draft. What we learned. We learned that the Colts are super committed to and confident in Andrew Luck. This was interesting. So owner Jim Irsay, he came out after and told reporters they had multiple offers or offers for multiple first round picks for Andrew Luck. He missed the entire 2017 season. He keeps coming back and like, when's he going to throw? Right. He didn't throw a mini camp. He's waiting. He's supposed to be all right for the start of training camp. I, I think it's at a point now where, yeah, of course, if you believe he's healthy, then you're not going to give him up. He's a franchise quarterback. Right. Why would you do anything? So I don't. I think he's kind of stating the obvious. Now, and what I like about them is that they invested some offensive linemen. They're going to get him some help because he's gotten killed early in his career. He's gotten beat up. I think that's why he's he's having surgeries in yeah. these off seasons. And I think that was a smart thing to do was try to shore up the offensive line, give him some weapons to work with, and then move forward from there. But I I, I would never accept a deal for Andrew Luck. Yeah, I don't care. Look, if Andrew Luck's healthy. 
what, I don't know what first round pick you could have given me in this year's draft that would have made it. Like, I, he's right. a proven entity when healthy. Right. And you got Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Right. As, yeah. as, as, as you got a competent backup. So you, you, I mean, I think it's I'm always, to some degree stating the obvious that we're going to roll with. Absolutely. Andrew. I would always go, and it's, and, and it's not like any of these four or five quarterbacks that went in the first round. None of them are locks. You no, you said it. Know. They're all projects. And at least I'm always a fan of getting what you know already yes. than the unknown. Like Correct. go for the known above the unknown. So, yes, Andrew Luck has been up and down, but you know when he's at his peak, he can get 41 touchdowns and take you to the playoffs. We talked about, and I'm going to switch switch gears real quick, the year that Andrew Wiggins was coming out. Yeah. And the question David Griffin was asking me, like when the deal was posed, right? Like what we were talking about Kevin Love uh, for Andrew Wiggins and, and whatever. And I, like you get Kevin Love, who's already a proven All Star. Maybe at that time, people regarded him as a top fifteen player, top twenty guy in the NBA. And the ceiling on Andrew Wiggins, like at best, at best, was like a poor man's LeBron James. Like, but that's if everything goes right. Mm-hmm. It's a no brainer for me. Like, right. and that's what I was telling him. You're going to get a proven entity that you compare with LeBron. Windows open at the same time versus a guy you got to wait on a little bit. And there's the jury still out uh, all day long. All right. Next up. What we learned. Debo special right here. We learned that Alabama set an SEC record for picks in the NFL draft. They had 12 players drafted all four in the first round. That's Ohio nuts. State has the all-time record of, uh, of 14 in 2004. Ohio State. Don't the Hurricanes have a record? Is that first round picks maybe? I think that was first round picks. How'd that um, get left off the sheet? I see Danny's Twitter mentions. I don't oh, see yours. All right. <laughs> Twitter? What? Mine, mine go up in flames right. when it's out there. Uh, this is just a, D- a Debo troll. Right okay, okay. But here's what, here's my point to it all. Alabama clearly has the most talented roster. Yeah. So shouldn't we make it harder on them to get in the playoffs than easier? Cause they get this free pass into the playoffs. They've gotten twice now. They've gotten a national championship without winning their own conference. Shouldn't it be harder for them when they already have the most talented rosters? Shouldn't there be a higher expectation, um, a higher standard? Yes. I'll answer it for you. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. There was, no, this sorry. was, I want to know. No, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. no. We're just having fun with them, but uh, I do no. want to get into something uh, that I thought was a really good. <laughs> There, I love that. Yes, I'll yeah, answer yeah, for yeah. you. Uh, no, there was something really cool that came out uh, after the draft. Uh, this uh, Detroit Free Press writer, Mike McCabe, he found this stat. And I thought it was really interesting. 29 of 32 first-round picks were two-sport athletes in high school, and 14 of those 29 were three-sport athletes. I saw a couple other professional athletes tweet this out and be yeah. like, hey, attention parents, pay attention to this. If you're if – you're, if your child's coach or trainer or personal swing coach, whatever it is, tells him he has to play year round, then fire that coach. And yeah. I couldn't agree more. The more well rounded you are, the better off you'll be, the less chance there is for burnout yep. in that sport. And yet I've heard so many professional athletes who made it to the upper echelon say this. And yet we still see the problem of youth sports preaching you've got to play year round yeah um well it's big business now like the money being yes. made from these youth sports like you go out on a field and watch i9 on like a i mean it's just generating huge amounts of money um and then the in the individual training we were talking about it the other day like we i didn't have the luxury of being individually trained when i was in when mm-hmm. i was eight nine ten twelve years old like mm-hmm. who knew i didn't get that until i went to philadelphia and played with the sixers i was right. 23 years old um so the money being generated is is huge but I agree with you 100%. Like, I grew up, I was a son of a PE coach. 
and I played everything that was in season. I played volleyball. I played soccer. I played baseball. I played basketball. Like you name it. And I, I played it because I just love sports. And then I developed the love for the one that I was going to develop a love for kind of organically. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, what I had to do. And every parent, there are plenty of them that see me in these youth gyms, um, and they'll DM me. You know, they see our teams play. Our teams are, our teams are really good and they want to know, like, Hey, what's your, what's, what kind of advice would you give me for my son? Like, what do you think? And I tell them all, the first thing I say is, does he play another sport? And they're like, well, no, he just loves basketball. And I'm like, no, he, he's nine. He doesn't know what he loves yet. Have him play something else. Put, put him in something else. Let him develop other muscles. Let him get away from said sport. I think it's just, I couldn't agree with you more. You've got to play everything. You've got to figure out what you love and you got to develop different skill sets. Yeah. Like different ways to use your hand eye coordination, different, different ways to see a ball coming in. It all, it's all, you know, relative to whatever sport you wind up playing. Did you play two sports in high school? I, I played baseball in high school and I played basketball in high school. But by the time when I went to play football in high school in 10th grade, we had a, bag of a coach at Gulliver <laughs> and I really wanted to play because I grew up in St. Croix where there was no tackle football so in 10th grade I really wanted to play and I went out and it was spring basketball and the dude told me I couldn't play spring basketball and football I had to make a choice and at that point I was like ah, I'm playing basketball I think too many parents too I think they're thinking two things yeah my kid's gonna be a professional athlete or he's gonna get a full scholarship and yeah. I, I think I admire that like that's a good goal to set but I think they feel the best way to do that is to have them play year-round and We've seen evidence. There was also another thing about Ohio State, and uh, they had their their signing class out of – or no, it was scholarship players. Of the scholarship players on their roster, it was like 80% of them were two-sport athletes in high school. And Urban Meyer said he specifically looks for that yeah. because, again, a lot of it has to do with the burnout rate. You see guys that play one sport – year round and by the time they're 17 they're like i don't even want to pick up a football or a basketball or a baseball or whatever it is here's what burned out here's what's interesting and i would i'm going to make this argument and i football players are not going to love this but it's easier to be a professional football player playing two sports than it is to be a professional basketball player playing two sports because i i believe that the skill sets in football are less like fine motor skills Mm -hmm. like so when you see kids like in in high school Kids that came from the football field to basketball court, they could exist because of their physical nature, like their athleticism and stuff like that. Um, but to be a really, really good, like college prospect, unless you were six, nine with that type of physical nature, it didn't matter. So if you were five, ten, you had to be really skilled as a point guard. Right. If you're on a football field for half the year, you're not developing those fine motor skills that it's going to require to be a high end five, ten guard. Right. So I do think that football is easier because athleticism just speaks for itself, right? It's a super athletic. Now, obviously the quarterback position, like kicking, like receiving, like there, there's yeah. certain, you know, intricacies, but by and large, you can just tell a guy to go out there. Hey man, you're big, you're strong, run his ass down and tack, light him up. <laughs> right. You know, basketball, there's, there's really fine, fine motor skills in terms of passing angle, shooting, dribbling. And so it's harder, I think, for basketball players to coexist and then wind up with a scholarship if you're playing multiple sports in high school. Uh, but I still think it, it's worth it to be, you know, I played tennis, I swam. We did, you did everything. Right. Yeah. What do you got? For so what's happening with Hannah? Seattle's dominant defensive core has come apart a bit this offseason, and they at least had an offer to move another Legion of Boom stalwart over the weekend. The Cowboys apparently offered the 81st overall pick for Earl Thomas, but the Seahawks decided to hang on to the former All-Pro safety. 
I would have I would have backed up the truck if I'm the Cowboys and said, "What is it?" And it's no surprise to me that the Seahawks they're trying. They got rid of Richard Sherman. They got rid of Michael Bennett. They're trying to keep core guys who are real team guys who are buying into Pete Carroll. And it was pretty pretty clear when you listen to Sherman and Bennett that they were not anymore. But Earl Thomas is a guy who's all in. So I'm, I think it's I think it's kind of made sense that the Seahawks are saying, "No way, we're giving him up." We remember the Julio Jones deleted Instagram pick controversy from last week. Well, now Falcons GM Thomas Dimitrov says the organization and their star receiver are, quote, doing very well, adding, I think we're in a great spot. The Falcons uh, added another Alabama stud uh, wide receiver Calvin Ridley in the first round last week. Uh, it sounds like just a bad relationship. It's just uh, when you got to come out and be like, no, 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 we're in a good spot. Like, we're good. We're good. <laughs> I, we, she loves me. I love her. Like, it's, yeah. It's like watch the couple out. that keeps breaking watch up out, and then bro. they get back together and yeah, they're, like, they're never going to make it's it. It's never going to work. Watch out. <laughs> the Dodgers fell 42 to the Giants on Sunday, and in that effort, reigning rookie of the year Cody Bellinger was benched by manager Dave Roberts for his lack of hustle. Bellinger hit the ball into what they call triples alley but cruised in for a double. That bothered Roberts, so he yanked the 22-year-old in the game's fifth inning. Hey, got to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> Baseball. I love uh, it. No, so I – I, I'll give that one a little bit of like, if he could have got a triple and he only got a double out of it, I'll right. give you that. But that like, you gotta run out of grounder. Yeah. You like, come on, out. man. Remember the same thing happened to Bryce Harper? Come on, Harper. man. Same thing happened to Bryce Harper early in his career too. He was like, rushed. short yeah. ground ball to shortstop Hannah and you know you're getting thrown out. <laughs> Who the hell's gonna like run all the way to you first base? fake it. You just have to fake yeah, it. All right. My bad. <laughs> Can't you just be tired? Like, is it okay to just be tired? Like, can I get no, him in here? Plays so many games. He ran 120 feet. It's not that That's far. That's true. You're right. right. You're Let right. a brother get They're a minute. pretty much just sitting there. Okay. Nick Kingham put together quite the MLB pitching debut for the Pirates, carrying a perfect game into the seventh inning against the Cardinals yesterday. His final line read seven innings pitched, one hit, zero earned runs, and nine strikeouts. His first time on a major league diamond. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, best for last, nope. of course. Capitals tie their series with the Penguins at one game apiece following a four to one victory on Sunday. The Preds get back to I'm sorry. The Preds get back to even with the Jets following a five to four double overtime win. Nashville and Winnipeg, right? <laughs> hey, yeah. you know what? What? You know who my guy is, and we all like we talk about uh, uh hockey all the time, PK Subek. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a bad dude, man. Have you ever met him? No, I haven't met him, but I watched some specials on him. Like, yeah. you know, he was born and bred like Montreal. He always wanted to be a Canadian and the way it kind of fell apart there. He had a goal yesterday. Filthy uh, goal. Filthy goal, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That was awesome. Was that top shelf from the five hole? No, but there was a nasty, <laughs> at, the, hey, at listen, the same time. <laughs> um, what was it? The Jets with the, uh, there was a dope one timer, like with about a minute 20 to go in the third period to send it into OT. Was watching. Yeah. It was, it was Damn. exciting. That was an exciting game. I like yeah. it. All right, let's uh let's revisit just a little bit OKC because they do seem like it's going to be the biggest question in the offseason. Yeah. After we figure out what LeBron is going to do, it's like, all right, what's Paul George going to do? Maybe it affects LeBron. Ooh, play Maybe they P? go somewhere together. Yeah, that <laughs> it's never. Don't <laughs> ever Wait, call yourself. He can't a be called. Yes, it dude, backfires stop. every single uh, time. Just really? stop. Yes, playoff P was like playoff absent. Exactly. And now he's going to get mocked for it, too, because he did it. You just always just don't go there. Yeah, right? but what if people give it to you? No, nah, dog, that was self-proclaimed. That cool. I know. Exactly. Was. That was self-proclaimed. Was. If exactly. you earn a nickname, like The Matrix, that he didn't dub himself The Matrix. Like, that was – we need to get him on the pod, too. He's going to be a fantastic pod. But he always speaks in the third person. He, he called himself The Matrix. <laughs> he does call himself The Matrix, <laughs> but he didn't give it to himself. Kenny the Jet gave it to him, and we so it's okay. We third person on that episode. Yeah, we should do that. Um, uh, yeah, pl- look – the question is always and forever going to be whether you can play with Russ and win. 
And quite frankly, if I'm being honest, like I may my my perspective on it is shifting a little bit, like because now there's like the sample size is growing and growing, and it, it continues to kind of be the same thing. This is what I'll say in Russ's defense: he had forty. What do he have? Forty-seven, forty-five, three. I believe three. I mean, granted, he shot forty shots, but when you look <laughs> over at playoff P, and he ain't, he's not doing anything. He's two for what? What was 16. he? He's two for what is he supposed to do? <laughs> like, what would you have Russell Westbrook in a perfect world do it when the only other viable player on that team in terms of scoring the ball? It's two for 16. Self-proclaimed damn playoff P is absent. Like, what would you have the man do? He's got to shoot 40 shots. And so I, I guess the answer to my own question is I still don't know if it's Russ or if it's the fact that he doesn't have someone because Paul, like, but haven't we seen Russ? We saw him with KD. We saw him with KD. They were they were great Harden. with KD. He was great. They were like one game. Like yeah, they they. I mean, they were great. Yeah, they went to the finals with James Harden. Like now they didn't get over the hump. But that those are levels of success achieved um, with with you know co stars, if you will, or right. or your your peers, a supporting cast, a supporting cast, and and without it, I mean, yeah, you know, for all of the for all of the Russ haters, like I get it. The man averages a triple-double, he averages a triple-double, and they don't get out of the first round of the playoffs. But what the hell is he playing with? Carmelo Anthony looks like he they looks like they take him off the court and they put him right in a casket. <laughs> like it's like they roll him off the court and they put him in a casket, and like he's got there's no juice left in that. And I love Melo, but there's no juice there. All right. Let's skip right to our overreaction or proper reaction. Uh, that wasn't enough overreaction. No, no, this is good though. No, because <laughs> this is the reaction. Carmelo Anthony is a delusional basketball player. Here he was talking about his performance. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not sacrificing no bench role. So you stop, can, stop, that's how stop. I think for me, my focus would be on kind of figuring out what I want in, 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 out of out of out of the rest of my career. Okay. Stop. O- overreaction. <laughs> what over? You want my overreaction to it, or you no? You're me saying it's the damn know. right reaction. You're saying. Are you saying it's an overreaction, or this is a proper reaction for Mello? Yes. Let, he's delusional. He's is what you're saying? Yes. yes. Come on, Mello. With all due respect, my guy. Like, and again, one of the toughest covers for me, and I imagine a lot of guys in, in my his era prime. in his prime, just an absolute problem, a nightmare. But bro, like that was ugly. Like the season wasn't great, but the playoffs were ugly. And if what you should be doing at this point in your career, um, having banked all of that money, in my humble opinion, once you've got uh, once you've got the bags upon bags upon bags upon bags, yeah, and they're stashed and they're put away neatly, right? And you're watching it grow. Go get yourself a championship, whatever whatever that needs to look like, right? Go somewhere where that's a possibility. And unfortunately. Wherever that situation is, it's going to mean you reducing your role and coming off the bench because he's not a viable starter at this point. He's not that good in that stretch four role. He does not defend. He can barely move. There's no spot for him no, in the starting line. It's just not going to happen. Has made $205 million Dog, in his NBA what are we career. About? But <laughs> I, would any contender even take him with that attitude? Nah. <laughs> no. I've always loved Melo because yeah. of Syracuse, but I, I'm, I'm so over him right now. I think he's always been a very one-dimensional player. He's been an incredible scorer. But he's never, he never evolved as a complete player. He never evolved defensively. I always thought he was just a great individual offensive player. You know, yeah, I agree with you. And Mellow fans, I got one. Kenny Kelly is a good friend of mine. He coaches at Western High School. We have this debate all the time. He loves Mellow. He's a Syracuse guy too. And Mellow fans will tell you, like, you know, he was one of the most potent. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. He could score. His, like, his, his, uh, jab ISO, like, series was fantastic. But did they ever win? And then they'll go, oh, well, he won in the, in the Olympics. 
Jesus Christ. He had LeBron James. He had D Wade. He had like, of course he right. won in the goddamn, in the, come on. What are we talking about? Like, I'm with you. Carmelo, look, dude, it's a wrap. Like, yeah. go somewhere, get yourself a ring, play the role that you need to play. I was a dude towards the end of my career who like kind of thought I was better than I was. We all do. I think every NBA player towards the end, you think you're better than everyone else thinks you are. You're not. Right. $28 million player option. That's hard to turn down. <laughs> oh, hell no. I'm back. <laughs> right. I'm exactly. back. No way. I'm back. All right. Next up, overreaction <laughs> or proper reaction. Darius Geis's fall in the NFL draft. Uh, so there, this was really fascinating because I thought he was one of the Did best running backs. Was in the, it third or bottom of the second? Uh, he went 59th overall. Bottom, two, bottom, bottom, bottom of the yeah. second to the Washington Redskins. So I'm watching this play out, and there was some rumors. There was some weird stuff that happened, right? So he was at the NFL draft, and I don't know if you guys remember this because it came out that he said he was asked if he liked men. Yeah. He asked if his mom was a prostitute. At the, at the combine. At the combine. Right. And I remember thinking, man, that sounds really familiar what Des Bryant was asked. Yeah. So the NFL, which I thought the NFL should have done at the time, because I thought it just sounded peculiar that it was the exact same line of questioning. And the NFL, I thought, had learned their lessons. Right. They did a full investigation, and they said there was no evidence of that. And Darius guys kind of flaked a little bit. He kind of backed up, retracted some yeah. of it. So he basically made up this story at the combine. Then there was, it was nuts. So I'm doing draft coverage with CBS Sports HQ and there's stuff about a bombshell TMZ report that's going to come out. This is like playing out as the drafts are going by and he's still on that best available that's right. coming out. I thought it was a complete overreaction. The guy's never been arrested. He's never had a positive drug test. He's never had any issues. He's been immature on social media, like saying some stupid yeah. stuff. Nothing racial, like nothing, not nothing. Which one of them the other deal. night hadn't had that? Exactly. Right. Like, right. So I'm sitting there going, this is going to be an incredible steal for the draft. So I thought it was a complete overreaction. He can, after he was picked, he said, I'm going to run angrier than ever. I think if you get a kid who is, that's all it is, is immature and he grows up, I think you could have one of the most productive running backs in this class. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, this is like, if the Josh Rosen stuff had come out like an hour before the draft, I think it might have been more hurtful more to damning. him. Josh than, Allen. Yeah, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Who did I say? Josh Rosen. Rosen yeah. uh, the Josh Allen tweets had come out an hour before. It might have been more damaging because they don't have scramble time mm -hmm. to get his apology, which he yeah. got time to do. Right. To, to to call him, which the Bills did. They called him up, and he was like able to cry on the phone with their leadership council, and you know, tell him that it was a mistake. So what was, what, was, what was the kid for the Dolphins uh, a year ago? Oh, Larry Mitunzel. Larry Mitunzel. Yeah. Same thing. Like right that was before an hour before. And that was that was sinister. There was that was planted yes. by a you don't think you agent. don't think this one was. I always whenever the timing of it is looming like that, like right around the draft. So time, was it the I, Bills? Because that was one of the theories was that a team that really wanted him was going to plant it, so they get him. Yeah. Anna, was it the Bills? You guys get down with the mafia. I love that theory. <laughs> right? And, I then, love that and then theory. now watch him go crush it, and he's a Hall of Famer, and they're like, yep, we I got just him. feel like this problem with, with kids is not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. Everybody's going to say some, some stupid stuff at one point, and... I'm not I, saying that that justifies it. Like I'm not saying it's okay, but there were a lot of there were a lot of questions around that. Like first of all, I thought I thought someone like another running back's agent, maybe somebody like that, trying to right. poison yeah. the well a little bit. But then, why would you like why the Deuce Staley thing? Remember they said that there was a report that he went on his visit to Philly. Him and Deuce Staley had got into some some stuff, right? Like, and he came out like not Deuce, but Darius guys came out and was like, dude, like I. So did the Eagles GM. He said, "Yeah, yeah." So, like, when when that starts happening, I start to wonder, like, who? Because clearly, someone 
is it has an axe to grind and right. why they're doing it. Like it's obvious why they're doing it now, but who is behind this? And I would never like I, I feel awful for Darius guys. Yeah. But what he did at the combine, like he probably thought it was like gonna get like players, young immature players like to give sound bites. They like to be they like to give attention getting quotes sometimes. Yeah. And I think he thought, oh, this will be fun like this this is a story that people will grab onto. Yeah. Right. I think that's planted by an agent at all? That story? Yeah. The, Just to to tell him to say that to the media. I don't know, but I think he I think that's what hurt him because then people started to believe other things because so he, it's been, it's, he made this up at the so, He definitely wasn't asked whether he was gay or whether his mom No. Definitely, one hundred percent unequivocally. Back. He yeah. did. Okay. So All that right. that's the thing. It's like well, that's gonna make then that's sorry, Mike. Question. <laughs> but it just sucks for him. Like it was an it immature does. mistake, and it cost yeah. him a lot maybe of money. Maybe they like said something though that made him like just exaggerate it. I don't know. Maybe I yeah. don't know. I, All right, next maybe. up, overreaction or proper reaction? Proper reaction. John Gruden doesn't know what he's doing in Oakland. He, they did have a peculiar draft to say the least. They traded back from ten to fifteen. They selected offensive tackle Colton Miller. He had received a lot of second and third round grades, although he did. Set the record for broad jump at the combine for oh, like sweet. over ten feet. Cool. Yeah. Um, they used a pick to uh, to trade for. They used the pick to trade for Martavis Bryant, who the Steelers remember he was disgruntled. Yeah, sure. He was like, I want totally. out. I don't want to play. They picked. Uh, they picked defensive tackle PJ Hall out of Sam Houston State with pick number fifty seven. Number eighty. Their eighty seven pick. They took Arden Key from LSU. Arden Key is a guy, one of the most intale- talented players in the draft. He had an incredible sophomore year at LSU, and then he vanished. Like, he quit football. Oh. And there was a question whether he liked the game, he was going to play anymore. There was also a couple, like, character concerns. I were anytime somebody quits the game, I'm like, do they really love the game? Yeah. And that has huge concerns for me. But he Derek really, Rose, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he looked yeah. good, though. Exactly. He looked good. He looked good. But anyway, exactly. sorry. Good. But if he loves the game, he would have been a top 10, top 15 pick. Like right. he's that position of a talent, a defensive lineman. Okay. Yeah. Or linebacker, excuse oh, me. I got you. Linebacker. So he can get after the pass rush. He can get after the, the quarterback. Yeah. So this, to me, it's like, I think it's way too early to say John Gruden, but he took some risk. He took some gambles. My biggest thing with John Gruden is how does he relate to players after being out for basically a generation? You're out yep. for 10 years. You have lost touch with what guys are thinking now, what motivates them, what drives them. It's more politically. Um, driven, like there's just players are more outspoken than they were 10 years ago. That's my biggest thing is how does that flow in a locker room with his kind of old school mentality? And yeah. maybe also, he'll adjust, maybe he'll adapt. Also said he wants to play like it's 1998, which probably isn't encouraging. Uh, <laughs> right. But I'm all right with that if he's saying let's get back to physical football and all that. But how does it go over with the players? It's true. Overreaction. Yeah. All right. Next up, the Giants won the draft. Overreaction or proper reaction? Ooh. The Saquon Barkley at two. They drafted Will Hernandez, give some offensive line help. He was a guy that was best available. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, linebacker from Georgia. That's my boy right yeah. there. We had a picture. We had a moment after the, uh, uh the Rose Bowl <laughs> win. Picture on the field. Kyle Laletta. Maybe they got their future quarterback. He was from Richmond. I will say this is a drastic overreaction. Uh, the yeah. Saquon Barkley, I think was the safe, uh, the safe right pick for the Giants. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on Saquon Barkley. Debo, I know do it hurts. Really? No, I hope I he's do. a bust. He's going to be a bust. What? <laughs> well, absolute bust. Oh, yeah, because he's like Now he's done with his Penn State guy. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I like he's going to be a good running back, but he's been compared to so many guys. Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson. I think he's going to be good, but I, I want to see it. Like, there's a ton of potential there. Mm-hmm. Let's see it. There was – there was – there were some times at Penn State where he didn't. He only carried the ball over twenty times, a couple of times. He's going to get a much bigger workload. 
I think he's going to be good, but I before we're guaranteeing multiple Pro Bowls and Hall of Fame career, let's just slow down a little bit. So I would say that's a, a, a giant overreaction. Yeah, I'm going to go overreaction on that too. And too all much these, to like all this draft analysis. Uh, see, all this is such a crapshoot. You it won't really know is. until we, like exactly. a year, we a year know. and a half. Like we're going on CBS Sports HQ. Make sure you check us out, streaming online anytime you want. And that's what we're doing, grading the draft. We're all going to be wrong about it. There's going to be players that we never saw. There's going to be a Russell Wilson, a quarterback that was drafted yeah. late, who all of a sudden becomes a franchise guy. There's going to be breakout players. There's going to be players who were drafted in the seventh round. There's going to be undrafted players who go to the Hall of Fame. Like, right. you just don't know it right now. I know it's not what we're supposed to do, but, you know, it's kind of like, all right. So one of the draft picks that actually uh, me and Brady Quinn were getting into it with uh, Chris Prasso on our uh, draft coverage was Mason Rudolph. He was selected in the third round. I felt bad for Mason Rudolph. There was some, uh, he was mentioned as the fifth best quarterback. People thought he could get drafted in the first round, right? And I'm, I'm sure, I guarantee you, he was probably thinking in his back mind, I'm going to get drafted in the first round, right. right? He drops all the way through the second round, goes the third round to the Steelers. So he's going behind Ben Roethlisberger, getting up there in age. And anytime you start talking about that type of situation, you're like, oh, he can mentor him, right? Mason Rudolph said, it's not Ben's job to teach me anything. And I think he's right. I think Ben Roethlisberger will be a pretty good guy for the quarterback room as opposed to Josh Allen going to A.J. McCarron. I think that could be a potentially toxic situation because A.J. McCarron ain't looking out for anybody except himself. <laughs> and I don't blame him for that. Right. Um, I was always kind of a guy like, why not help somebody? Like, right. It's just kind of in my nature to be like a good teammate. Yeah. But I've seen, I've played with guys in my court who were kind of out for my job and I didn't like it. Yep. Um, Talk about think, the Falcons room, right? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't the best uh, quarterback room that I was in, but I don't think you should ex- expect it, but I think, I think Roethlisberger will do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, I he's already talked about retiring, but like Tom Brady, he wasn't taking Jimmy Garoppolo under his wing. And it right. was all like to the point where he was calling his trainer and saying, lock him out of the building. Yeah, that's if tough. If those reports were true, uh, especially with what was kind of crazy about that is you're talking about Tom Brady should be more secure than anybody in his job status, his job security. Yeah. Um, I think it all kind of varies on the individual. Um, yeah, I think it depends on your personality type. Like I, you know, when I was in college, I, like I told a story about me not taking a recruit. Like, like around and trying to show him. But when I got, when I got to the pros and it happened later in my career, like, um, you know, we drafted Orlando Tucker when I was in, when, when I was in Phoenix and that was clearly a kid in my position, but I loved though. Like I didn't have any problems and you know, he, he didn't wind up being the type of kid that really wanted to be around me at other interests and stuff like that. But I like, I had no beef. There was no animosity, like given the opportunity, I would have taught him. And then when I got to Utah and I was an older player, they drafted Gordon Hayward. Uh, and then the next year, I believe they drafted Alex Burke. And those were clearly guys like I was old, um, probably not producing the way. At, but those were my young fellas, man. Like, you know, whatever they needed in terms of an answer, like they're clearly better players than I ever was. But whatever I could give to them, like I felt like, you know, we're here, we're in a locker room, we're grinding every day. Like, yeah. it's part of the job. Now, I didn't love, like, if you were going to tell me, hey, it's time for Gordon to start and – you know, then you pull him out and say he's not going to play against Kobe because it's not fair to Gordon and I got to play Kobe. Like, but that's part of the job too. But in terms of the personal relationship between me and Gordon or me and Alec Burks, like those are my young fellas. Like I'm there to try to help them. And you know why like, I think I'll still you shoot Gordon that? a text now because there's pride in watching a dude like I'm like, yo, he was with me when he was a rook. Like it's right. really cool, you know? 
I think you realize that because you you take it under the the viewpoint of hey, I was that guy. I was a yeah. young rookie who was trying to make it, and I appreciate. And I had that. dudes I that looked out for me too. Right, right. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. Is too. it also you can share minutes at the quarterback position? You're not sharing the field. Right. That makes it a little yeah, bit maybe. trickier with those. Yeah. And ultimately, look, it's the quarterback coach's job. It's the offensive coordinator's job to mentor to coach to make sure they're ready. So, but there's something about being a professional where I feel like. You should do the right thing. Now they do a lot of they don't keep three quarterbacks on a lot of NFL rocks. Because the ideal situation would be Ben, mm -hmm. a, a a good buffer backup yep. that could take Mason Rudolph, right? Like so if Ben felt obligated and wanted to do it, great. But if not, you did have somebody right. that knows right. enough maybe a Like a good I think vet. the Jets quarterback room is the perfect quarterback room because <laughs> yeah. they have Josh McCown, who's like thirty nine, forty whatever he is, he's one year Sam Donald is a year older than his daughter. That's like crazy. he's still enough that to be his dad. So it's nuts. But he's a really good vet. Like he's been around. Right. He knows right, yeah. he's not a franchise quarterback. You got Teddy Bridgewater, who's a great guy, who's gonna compete and who's gonna want to start. Yeah. He's gonna push you, but he's a really good guy. And then like Sam Donald's coming in as a young rook. I think that will be a fantastic quarterback right. room. Like they'll all push each other, they'll all encourage one another, they'll all coach each other on the sidelines. Where, again, I hate to harp on it, but the Bills quarterback room is AJ McCarron getting his opportunity that he's been waiting for for four or five years yeah. and then totally Josh Allen changed. basically came in and has been given the keys to the kingdom right. and AJ McCarron's like what the what, what the what? what you've totally yeah. changed my perspective on AJ McCarron like I never <laughs> liked him but now I like really don't like him now I'm so scared <laughs> because it's not changing I had I had like hope for him like when he came, like he's coming back I'm like ooh. hey ooh. maybe he plays really well no but he's a D <laughs> we don't know. Like that he's gonna play sure. really well. But we don't know that for sure. No, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> right. just, I'm I repeating. Yeah, I don't know either. Who knows? Maybe he'll be a quarterback coach in that room. So uh, gotta, I, do we know something? We know something for sure, though. The tattoo is awful. The tattoo, oh, is, tattoo is awful. That is for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's do some topics and one of my favorite stories of the weekend. Topics. Shaquem Griffin, inspiration, one hand selected in the fifth round to play with his brother Shaquille for the Seahawks. The emotional celebration video got you. Oh, I was, I was crying. And cause I met Shaq, I met him, I covered UCF and I was like, Oh, this is a great story. And at the time, I think it was week three of the season. I'm like, man, you know, does this kid have any chance in the NFL? And you think probably not, but he lit it up all season, turned heads at the combine when so he put cool. up 22 reps in the 225. He's such an inspiration for, and I don't know if you guys saw some of the videos. There was a little cheerleader that, you know, had yeah. the same oh, yeah. problem. Yeah. She didn't have an arm yeah. and he's like, you got like, how could you not pick him higher is my thing. Yeah. But finally he does get drafted and it's with his brother. Like this is a movie script. So cool. Like in the making. Now I hope they go and crush it and the Seahawks get back to the Super Bowl because it'd be even a bigger platform to Such have. Such a good story. So cool. Yeah. So cool. I got to hook him up with my buddy, um, Stephen Ertzman. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He played basketball with me at Boston University. Um, and he's an amputee, like his right leg, I believe, um, underneath his knee, he got stuck between two cars and he started Shamrock Prosthetics, which is a, which is a prosthetics company that, um, that he started from scratch to, to, for athletes. Like he develops all these different kind of legs and whatnot. So, um, like, I guess it made me think of him this morning because they were talking about all the deals that Shaq Griffin has now yeah. with like Nike and all these companies wanted to represent because you've tapped into like, into this market of people that were probably underserved, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I got a good friend of mine whose daughter, they came out and stayed with us in Utah when I was there the first time. She stayed at the Children's Shriners Hospital. Like, her leg was amputated when she was, like, two years old. Yeah. Like, but she's grown up with no real, like, professional, like, you know, model. You know right. what I mean? And, like, so it's really, really, I think it's really, really cool. 
there were parrots. There was the U.S. men's curling team. Who were awful, by the way. The parrot didn't even yeah. talk. I parrot. told you there was going to be mistakes. Uh, Ron <laughs> Howard. And then there was former Eagles kicker David Akers. It's after Roger Goodell exits that the pick announcements become interesting. Gangster. What's up, Dallas? I'm representing the Philadelphia Eagles. NFC East champs. NFC champs. And world champs. Hey, Dallas, the last time you were in the Super Bowl, these draft picks weren't born. (laughs) He should have walked out right there. Um, I mean, it's a kicker. Exactly. It's a kicker. This guy has no business up there talking smack. (laughs) Des Bryant, who's probably upset at the Cowboys more than anybody because they let him go. He said, ain't no way he's getting out of there. Like he tweeted. (laughs) I I loved it for everything except that he's a kicker talking. Kickers were on the team, bro. Yeah, barely <laughs> on the field during they weren't they were in there playing cards while everybody out there. Is I like practicing. that part of the draft though. I like I like that they had a bunch of guys getting up there talking a little bit oh, of it's, junk. It's like, fantastic. It's yeah, Some it's people great. are saying second greatest speech in Philadelphia sports history. <laughs> what was the first? Kelsey. Oh yeah, that's right. The and Mummers. The Mummers speech. He was almost up there. Uh, the Eagles also probably stole Dallas's pick, a potential tight end named Dallas. Dallas Goddard. He could have replaced this next guy, Jason Witten. Looks like he's retiring without a Super Bowl, but also has a future Hall of Famer and one of the best tight ends of all time. Appears that he's headed to the Monday Night Football booth. Good choice? It's a good choice. I like it. I feel bad for him because he's instantly going to get compared to uh, Tony Romo, and people are going to expect him to be as good as Tony Romo in his first year. And I think that's going to be a really tough spot to be in. I hope he does well. I hope he does great. But I just wonder if people are going to be let down when they hear him. And it's just, it is surely because they're comparing him to Romo. Romo's good. He's good. Yeah. Exactly. And Witten's a great dude. Like, I've, I've talked to him, interviewed him. He's a great talker. Yeah. But it's a lot of work. Like, right. And if, and I, hey, he's best friends with Romo. Like, I'm sure he's going to, you know, right. hit him up. Hey, what do I need to do? If he takes the same attitude and the same approach, he'll be fine. And both those guys, considering their post football careers, probably retiring a little earlier than yeah. they and would because have. Because they're making a boatload of, of money yeah. to do TV. Why wouldn't you? What's he make to do that? Uh, I, there were Gruden rumors, made so, like six a year. Yeah, six, so we seven? probably won't make that much. Romo, I think, was making four or five. And that's like, just and that's just that, Monday all you night. do is Monday Night Football. That's oh, it. You mofo. Seventeen games a year. That's it. Now you'll do sprinkle in some other things, but yeah, you're not exactly yeah. slaving out there. No, that's dope. <laughs> Let's talk a little golf. Zerk Classic. Taylor Gooch hits it into the bunker. Gooch. Problematic for us, maybe, but pro golfer, fine in the bunker, right? Problematic here because there were three allocators in the bunker. And one refused to budge, just eating at this rake. Gooch ultimately given a free drop 10 yards back. <laughs> Thanks. Have you guys had any gator encounters on Florida courses? Nah, not me, bro. I don't really? even, I don't even mess around. Well, I see them all the time. But yeah. I just, I, I don't know, growing up down here, you kind of just get immune to it. I'm not messing yeah. with them. Like I've seen Jeremy Roenick likes to go grab him by the tail or hit him with the rake. Like bro. why yeah. would you do that in the first place? The biggest gators I've ever seen, Hilton Head, South Carolina. And oh, it was really? to the point where we would go, we'd take a family vacation there over the summer. Yeah. And like my kids were toddlers at the time. And I'm like, you guys nowhere near yeah. like the one, the lake. Don't even go up. Cause they were huge. Like yeah. they would have taken out a kid in a minute. In a heartbeat. I yeah. grew up on a lake and I, I saw them probably like once a week. They were, they're so scary. And right. it's like, I have like a, a miniature wiener dog at home that I grew up with too. And yeah. I would be so like, as a kid, I'd be like running out to go get her. Like, please. But I've never had a problem with them. Not, nah, but Deer, have you ever been to Deering Bay? No. Deering Bay is down off uh, like old color down there. Like they have the saltwater crocs. Mm-hmm. 
Those are a little, they're they more have, aggressive. That's what they have in Hilton Head. I Those, think yeah, the saltwater saltwater crocs. crocs. And they're, they're huge. And they're huge and they're aggressive. Yeah. They're more aggressive than the alligators. Oh my gosh, so. I didn't know that. Yeah. Jay-Z and Beyonce attended game one of the Western Conference semis between the Dubs and Pelicans at Oracle. Be honest, you see them within a few feet while you're playing. What are you feeling internally? I'm pretty Anything? cool. It's got to be a big game. Yeah, it's a big game. Like, I, other than that, no, I'm just, I'm straight. I mean, would anytime you, you were, like, Would in Staples Center. Um, no, because I don't, like, I don't know Jay-Z. I think I've, I've said what's up in the bowels of stadiums to them before, like, Jay-Z specifically. I don't know if I've seen Beyonce, but, like, I wouldn't pretend to be, like, I don't know them, so I probably wouldn't run up and say what's up to them. There's you know no I mean? way I'd be able to say anything. I would go, I would probably go up and say, hey, what's up? Like, just, like, because if they know who you are, if you have a jersey on, right? Yeah. Like, even if I was a backup... I would be like, just want to meet him. Like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Like, thanks for coming or whatever. And then maybe you get an invite to a concert yeah. or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it happens just like that. Exactly. Maybe it's a follow-up. Yeah. Was yeah. there anybody that you saw at the side? Like, who was there? Was there anybody you were starstruck by? Starstruck. No. I mean, I've met almost all of those, like, like people. But, like, I, I didn't really get starstruck. I've never been that way, like, since I was a little dude. Like, right. I mean, I, you know, and again, if you're there to watch me play, then – like, I ain't got no reason to really be starstruck. You're Two here to, people you know I was I mean? starstruck by, MJ, when I'm, I like, get kind of nervous, like, yeah. like, what do I say? <laughs> and then the other person I was starstruck by, surely by, and this was in Tallahassee, was Shaquille O'Neal. She was the in town doing, I have no idea what he was doing, yeah. but he is the biggest dude, like, it's just, it's shocking when you do it. And I went up to him and I, I was like, hey man, can I get an autograph? And I was like the starting quarterback for Florida State. So yeah. I thought maybe there was a slim chance he would recognize me. No chance of that happening. And he was like, he was like, nah, man, I'm just chilling tonight. Oh, word? Yeah, he gave me the no. That's, he gave me the hard pass. So this was what, like, he was like two years into the NBA. Oh, yeah. He was, oh, he's it come was along, like, he's come shack. a long way. It was pulling yeah. down the rim shack. Like it was wow. right in his heyday. Yeah. It wasn't just happening. Chilling. Um, <laughs> just chilling. Final one here. This is baseball with Bell. I think you're going to like this one. The Giants were getting blown out by the Dodgers the other night. Uh, game one of a doubleheader. So you don't waste your bullpen, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, instead, you use 268 pound. The panda That's what he's listed at the panda third baseman Pablo Sandoval promptly comes in and tosses a perfect inning. Boom! Word. Shohei a little nervous for his <laughs> two way <laughs> exploits. Yeah. The, is the panda? They still he's still third baseman. Yeah. Like how do you like? I don't understand how you move the hot pot effectively you, like that. It's all about that cat, kind of weight, cat -like man. Reflexes. Well, I guess. I how did like Warren Sapp? How did he move around? Yeah, no, completely different job. Like, <laughs> not even like what are you talking. About? <laughs> no, it's just quickness in a short space. No, I hear you. You know I what I mean? You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super lightning quick reflex. But yeah. a pitcher as well. He perfect, perfect inning. Perfect inning. Boom. How the control? A nasty curveball. Yeah. Sixty-nine yeah. mile per hour curveball. <laughs> that ball was falling off the shelf. That's ah. what happens. These guys aren't used to seeing something that, that slow, slow, so it totally throws them off. <laughs> that's so yeah. great. That's not what Otani's doing. All right, that's a wrap for us. Make sure you check us out on Wednesday. We'll be back uh, doing a little NBA playoff recap caps make sure you go follow us on twitter and instagram at canel and bell and as always go subscribe and download on itunes have a good day